Hey guys, it's Anna from Talkative. I am so excited to have finally found a coffee that doesn't leave me feeling jittery or overstimulated, and that's Pure Cure. Pure Cure is different from your average coffee company. They don't use artificial flavorings to mask a low-quality coffee. Instead, they have unique artisan roasts that showcase the full flavor of their coffee beans. I particularly love their signature blend, which is a take on amaretto, and you should check them out too. That's purecure, P-U-R-C-U-R, coffee.com. This is SR1. It doesn't show It'll go away It's just a passing phase It'll go away You can't just know Welcome, welcome to Talkative Magazine on Air. Thanks for joining us this Sunday evening. And Emily, how's it going? It's pretty good. I just feel like if I could have any job in the world, like, I don't think this is a job, but if I could have a job, okay, it would be to just make playlists for people. Yeah. You know? So I feel every week when we get to choose our intro outro songs, we get to do a little DJing and I enjoy that. I love it. Yeah, that song, Angst in My Pants, um, <laughs> is, that's the song, Angst in My Pants by Sparks. That is from the Valley Girl soundtrack, if you didn't know. The original Valley Girl, of course, right. from 1983. I forgot they remade that. I, they remade it. That's what I, I totally forgot that too. They remade it in 2020, I think. And... Did- was there anybody in that? Uh, uh, Logan Paul was uh, in it. Oh, Alicia Silverstone. Oh, she played okay. the older Julie. She played the Julie character. Oh, funny. That's kind of fun. And Deborah Foreman actually makes an appearance as Shop Girl. Weird. I don't know. But yeah, so there's, I don't know, maybe some faces you might recognize. I don't recognize the name as I Google, but the original from 1983, of course, has Nicolas Cage and Deborah Foreman. Yes. So, and E.G. Daly. <laughs> voice yes. of Tommy, Tommy Pickles. Pickles. Tommy Pickles. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep, from Rugrats, which yeah. is more our generation than well, Valley Girl was. A little more your generation. Yeah, but I caught the tail end. Well, you know I what? Know. We've made mixed CDs for each other in the past, yep. and I love giving my mixed CDs themes. Yes. Because I like the constraint. I like being creative within constraints. So mm-hmm. I, I made you, you know smooches album where every song had the word kiss in the title and i yes. like having fun hunting for that and things with themes like that for example and yeah the playlist concept making playlists it's just it's so fun it is fun it's funny i only ever did themed uh mix cds because you started doing them oh. but my my instinct was always just literally anything i always just found it so difficult to find new music that i liked and it doesn't have to be new but just new to me right and and so i would just find anything that was relevant or that i was giving a shot at the time and i'd throw it on a mix cd and now those are just playlists which don't have the same 
little sparkle to them for I me. Know. But but I do still enjoy making playlists. And speaking of playlists, you can find all the songs we put <laughs> in our show. In our playlist, we have a show playlist that you can binge at any time. Do you binge songs? I don't think you binge them. What do you even mean by that? You can listen to the whole playlist. You can just like play. Do I binge songs? No, I mean, no, I mean like, is that what you call it? If you're going to listen to a bunch of songs? Uh, I'm going to say no. No, I'm going to say no too. I don't have a better word for it. Um, But you can jam out. Yeah. And you can find the link (laughs) to that (laughs) in our bio on Instagram at talkative radio. So what's going on in headlines this week? Let's check in. (laughs) (laughs) Well, in local news, let's just start with some local news that I just found out a moment ago. Okay. um, Via a group chat that you were in. Oh, And that is the Antique Mall on Big Bend. Oh, my gosh, you guys. So I love antiquing. It gives me like a new... like a new inspiration, just going yes. into an antique mall, smelling all the old smells. I agree. And just getting to imagine what these items were once used for and by whom and mm-hmm. all the fun stuff and, and how much buying them new and thinking, yeah. you know, and it's like, wow. I love just, it. I really yes. love it. Um, but there's this antique mall. There's two side by side. There's Treasure Isles and Big Bend Antiques. Well, apparently Big Bend Big Bend Antiques just closed. Yeah. I drive this by this every single day of my life and I didn't realize that it closed. Yeah, I didn't know until I saw it in a Facebook post. Yeah, and Treasure Isles is taking it over and opening a Treasure Isles too. So there's still going to be two antique malls right next to each other, but the one closed and, and is getting taken over by the other. And I'm sure NBD, that's cool, that's fine. They're both, it's like it's still there, but it kind of just, it's sad. I don't like watching things close. I know. I'm kind of curious about the history of what happened there because they have different feels. If you if you are a big, you know, antique mall, uh, you know, thrifty person, then you you know like which ones have good stuff for what kinds of purposes. Some are better at furniture. Some are better at knickknacks, whatever. Yeah. You know, some have vinyls that you want. For me, Treasure Isles was always the knickknacky kind of place. And Big Band Antiques was, <laughs> it was a tongue twister. So maybe that's why they went out of business. <laughs> Big Bend Antiques was more like furniture and cohesive collections of things. Right. And art and Honestly, just pricier things in general. Right. But the displays um, were always a little more thoughtful because it was yes. furni- furniture heavy. So yeah, I, I agree exactly with what you said. I'm kind of curious, though, if that means that when they take over the second location, Treasure Isles, if they're going to just act like it's an expansion of the current store or if they're going to make it feel different. Like, oh, this is the one you go into if you want more furniture things. And this is the one you go into if you want whatever. I'm not sure because at the same time, antique malls are oh. furnished by individual sellers that have booths so what are you going to do kick everyone out of that and then ask them to re-rent a booth or are you just taking it over and they're living there as they were the sellers with their booths so it might not actually change at all except the owners i guess i don't really know what that entails yeah that's weird i don't know if it really means anything at all in this case maybe not i'm sure when i think they're set to open the second location in june i think it's like june 1st maybe even so we'll go check it out i'm sure oh yeah why not (laughs) yeah uh so i saw a headline this week that just blew my mind a little bit um (laughs) well what blew my mind was actually the way it was stated uh flubber actress Marsha Gay Harden. I just thought Flubber actress was the funniest way you could characterize somebody. <laughs> <laughs> Which uh, Flubber was that 
really goofy movie with Robin Williams from the 90s that, yeah. about the like gelatin man. I don't remember the movie itself. <laughs> like I remember the name of it. And honestly, I, I associate it in my head side by side with Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Yeah, same era. Yeah. Well, and Flubber was funny because they made actual Flubber you could buy in the store, oh. you know, like like um slime kind yeah. of thing, like Nickelodeon kind of slime thing. Anyway, Marsha Gay Harden was in the news because uh, she said at a drag isn't dangerous telethon, quote, my children are all queer. My eldest child is non-binary. My son is gay. My youngest is fluid. What? My youngest is flubber? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) My youngest is um, made of Gaxblatt. Yeah. No. (laughs) uh, But in case you're wondering, huh, the odds of that happening, if you look even if, you know, at just plain percentages of, you know, how many, what percentage of the population is LGBTQIA++. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all that. like it, yeah the, the odds of this happening are astronomically small. yeah even if you believe that everyone who claims to have some sort of you know different gender identity or different type of sexual identity even if you believe that all those claims are 100 percent true sincere honest you can't honestly believe that one person birthed four kids or whatever that all have Three. something her oldest child eulala is mm. 25 uh, it's a girl. She goes mm-hmm. by they, them. So that's one. Hudson and Julita are twins. They're 19. And um, Hudson is gay and Julita is fluid, mm. meaning like she's attracted to boys and girls, which, you know, who knows? I don't okay. know. Yeah. I don't know what the odds of this are, but very small. And it just makes me think no one's talking about the fact that this is a social contagion, mm-hmm. that this is for clout, that there's some kind of social aspect to this and some kind of... Some kind um, of pressure into it. Yes, that, like, exactly. Like influence into Exactly. It. Like there could be any influence outside of nature running right. its course. And it's like, well, hmm, here we are. Anyway, in weirder sad news, I don't know. People are very torn about this and I want to get your thoughts on it. So right now, everywhere you're looking, Taylor Swift is in the news. Something about the Eras tour. You mm-hmm. know, it's if it's the kind of makeup she's wearing or her costume changes or whatever, the list goes on and on. But recently at one of her concerts, fans surprised her with photos of like on posters of her deceased grandmother, Marjorie. What? Because she has a song named Marjorie called Marjorie after her grandma. And so her fans came with these posters and you can there's a video of this on the internet you can watch taylor come out and react to these photos and people are like that is so sweet they wanted to commemorate her grandmother for her that they were you know just they wanted to you know show their support and love for taylor that's strange I feel like it's worse than strange. It's kind of an assault. Exactly. Yes. And I don't use that word lightly. But but can you imagine being just emotionally bombed with that when you're, number one, on stage performing and not expecting that anyway? And then it's just so personal. It's just, you know, and there's photos of her grandma on the Internet. Like they can find these photos. She's spoken openly about the fact that the song was written about her grandmother who apparently wanted to be I think an opera singer. So she had like dreams of 
you know, stardom that she never got to live. And so Taylor wrote this song supposedly about that and then performed it live. And it was, you know, this big, you know, honor her grandmother. But did anyone, is there any coverage on it that is calling them out as it being unusual or? Comments? It's funny. On the video that I saw, a lot of comments were agreeing with what we're saying, which is that, you know, like, oh, this is really um, inappropriate. inappropriate. It feels like it's for clout. It feels like it's for attention. And people are just trying to one up each other. And this was the latest in a string of, you know, how do we get Taylor to notice us mm-hmm. um, kind of stunts. But people are then responding to that saying this this comment section does not pass the vibe check. You know, people <laughs> people are, you know, this is sweet and people are too sensitive. They clearly were doing this because they love Taylor and they you know, and I'm I just, I'm sorry. I just think it's funny that the first thing you say as an example <laughs> as a comeback is something that's like all slang. Yeah. Cuz it just kind of goes to show there's there's the thoughtful audience that's saying this seems inappropriate. This seems like a bit of an assault. Mm-hmm. This seems like you're just trying to get her attention without considering the repercussions. And then the people that are like no this is fine are people who aren't speaking <laughs> in plain English and right. u- using words that are timeless but rather they can only communicate in what is fed to them right now in modern slang and agreed <laughs> i know that's just a really paraphrased example that you just said sure but that was just my thought no i mean i i just i saw that and i thought oh and she y- you can see her mouth on stage something along the lines of like oh my god like why are you doing this to me you know and i think oh. she's saying it like you know playfully sure. kind of like she's playing it off it's not like she broke down in tears on stage but I mean, it's a sensitive thing for for somebody, you know, and I just don't think that that was an appropriate thing to do. I There's a lot that I feel like, okay, you're a celebrity. You've opened yourself up to this. You've opened yourself up to being in the public eye and the things that come with that. And that's a price for being famous and mm-hmm. having the level of success you have. But I also feel like, God, at the end of the day, they're still just people. Like, let them have their private sentimental moments. The Jonas Brothers finally released their album. It came out on Friday, May 12th. That's right. The album titled The Album. Right. That one. I have not listened to it yet. I haven't either. I've only heard the two singles, um, Waffle House and Wings. Wings. And we talked about Wings a couple episodes back. Yeah. Um, but I've, I've yet to listen to it. We'll have to listen to it on vacation. I know. Leaving tonight. Yeah, I know. Late so <laughs> we'll maybe give y'all a review because our next, our next episode will be live from Destin. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll be sitting on the beach having a great old time. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, if you throw back to last summer, all of the news was about this Johnny Depp and Amber Heard trial. And since then, crickets about Amber Heard. Like, what oh, happened to her? You're going to tell us. I am going to okay, tell you. tell us. Yes. So, apparently, uh, it was up in the air whether she was going to reprise her role as Princess Mara in Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom. And after a trailer was shown at Comic-Con, it appears she is, in fact, going to be in the second movie. If, if you missed all the Johnny Depp, Amber Heard drama, then you might have missed the fact that she lost her case against him. She was alleging that he abused her and that he was abusive during their relationship, like verbally and emotionally and I think also physically. Um, but there was no evidence that that happened. She perjured herself on the stand like so many times. Oh and uh, I just think, wow, you ruined his career. He has no um, 
affiliation with his Pirates of the Caribbean franchise anymore. They've removed his likeness at all the Disney locations and yada, yada. And yet you're still allowed to continue your D-list career. That was her two minutes of fame and she blew it on that case. And now it's like, well, here you go. Here, you can have your bit part in this uh, Aquaman movie. But I think it's kind of crap that she got to keep her role and Johnny Depp lost all of his accolades. Do you think that is a product of female privilege or just coincidence? (laughs) I think um, women are allowed to get away with a lot of things that men could never. Yep. Stick around and we'll be talking about this famous actor who regrets their name change and this beauty queen turned actress who just can't seem to stay out of the news. SR1 Sundays. Genevieve West Dior. Talkative. Margaret West Trezor. Magazine on air. Mary Jo West Lauren. But you don't win a perfume. Deborah West Unique. Marianne West Mystique. Judith West Shalimar. But you don't win a perfume. That's why I won't spend my life. Well, you may be wondering. That's a lot of sparks, isn't it? Nobody's wondering that. Nobody noticed. <laughs> I don't know. They're pretty unique sounding. Back-to-back sparks. I would I would take note. Those were decades apart, though. That's fair. However, here's another decades apart sparks little tidbit. Apparently, we're not the only sparks fans. You know who else is a sparks fan? Kate Blanchett. Oh. And here's a fun fact. So, uh, in Paris last year at the Caesar Awards... Sparks uh, met Kate Blanchett because she came into their dressing room and introduced herself and was like, I am such a big fan. And so they hit it off and they were like, wow, this is so cool. Then they were getting ready this year to release a song called The Girl is Crying in Her Latte. And they were (laughs) ready to film a video for this. And they were like, who do we need for the video? So they reached out to Kate Blanchett and they asked her to be in this video. And she agreed. So... Just this year, Sparks released a song with Kate Blanchett in the music video. Okay. Yeah. So we're going to listen to it a little bit. I have not heard this song yet. I've what? not played it. Tears. What? A girl cries in her latte? The girl what? is crying in her latte is uh, the name of the song. Relatable. <laughs> like, no, right? really, though. Yeah. And uh, we're going to play that. Chat about it a little bit. Is it due to the rain? Or is she in some pain? She looks physically fine Guess it's something benign The girl is crying in her latte, yeah The girl is crying in her latte, sad The girl is crying in her latte, wow The girl is crying in her latte, bad Now she's leaving the place Okay, well that's amusing yeah, that, I mean, okay, so we watched the video while this, while the song played, and I will say the it's it's distracting. The the intro is very loud and oh my gosh, I'm sorry, techno. the video's still but, going. Yeah, so basically, is, it's just Kate Blanchett in this like brightly yellow colored suit dancing like a goof with a headphones on, yeah. while Sparks are, is in the background on. Like, just singing. This her. song is definitely more akin to Perfume, which yes. was the one that let us in. So, Perfume came out in 2006, you know, and then right. this came out, obviously, now. So, still yes. you know, almost 20 years apart. But 
Um, but they've angst, moved this direction. Yeah, this is the direction they moved in. Whereas Angst in My Pants was, you know, new wave era, 1982 or so. So this is more like techno. Yeah, I prefer the older sound Ooh, for sure. Electronica. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, that. Uh, not as much of a fan of that, but but I will say Kate Blanchett looks real cute, like yeah. goofy dancing well, around. Cute is one word, yeah. <laughs> she, yeah, um, quirky for sure. Super I'm sure quirky. living her dream, I guess. Yeah, I mean it looks like a workout what she's doing. <laughs> so go check it out. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Emilio Estevez, he is getting ready to re-release the film. The Way, which originally came out in 2010. I had never heard of it. No, I don't know either. much about it. But The Way was um, directed by Emilio Estevez, and he co-starred in it alongside his dad, Martin Sheen. So he was on a talk show discussing this re-release. and then Emilio talk- was? Emilio was, okay. yeah. Emilio was on this talk show discussing the re-release of The Way, and um, getting on into the history of like his name, because obviously Martin Sheen and Emilio Estevez, father, son, but different names. So, Ethan, if you could play this clip, I just found it interesting. His, yeah. his perspective and insight from his dad. So I initially, when I started out as an actor and, and auditioning, really, because that's really what that headshot was for, was yeah. to be able to use something to get in the door and audition. And, and I didn't get in many doors. Uh, <laughs> and I thought that using the name Sheen would help. And so uh, at the time, my dad said, don't make the mistake that I did. Mm-hmm. Don't change your name. Because back in the day, 1958, he changed his name from Ramon Esteves to Martin Sheen because at the time, uh, there was a lot of prejudice against people with the Hispanic name. Years later, in 1967, uh, my grandfather, Francisco, to whom I dedicate the movie to, Mm. uh, came to see him on Broadway when he was doing The Subject of Roses. He stood outside of the theater and looked up at the marquee, and my dad saw him shake his head just in disappointment. And so he never got over that. And so I think when it was time for me to sort of start making those moves and start, you know, getting out and, and, and doing auditions, he said, man, he said, if I had one thing to do over, he says, I never would have changed my name. Oh. Now, he never did it legally. Yeah. So he's still, you know, he, he on his passport, on his driver's license, it still says Ramon Esteves. But on, yeah. on mm-hmm. screen, it's Martin Sheen. However, this is the first movie that he actually has because he's credited as an executive producer yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. So. As executive producer, it says Ramon Gerard. Oh, oh my gosh. So I'm going to be honest. I didn't even know that they were related. I nev- no way. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I yeah. Didn't, yeah. I had no idea. Oh, um, but wow. I'm not. I mean, I know Emilio essentially from Breakfast, Breakfast Club, Club. And that's the only thing and I know. And that's it. And, mm-hmm. so, and I don't really have any any you know association with Martin Sheen. So I guess I just never knew that. But man, I just... Yeah, that would stick with me, too. I understand the, you know, feeling of being ashamed and, you know, letting down your parents and, you know. Well, I, and and that, I think that's so cool, though, that he's giving his dad that opportunity to to do it the way he wishes he would have done it the first time. And I think it's really interesting because he is reflecting on, yeah, in the 50s, a Hispanic name wasn't going to be taken as well, you mm-hmm. know? And nowadays it's funny because people strive to be as different as can be and want that 
minority sound in their yep. name and in their life and they'll do what they can to get it. I know so many people over the last several years in my life that I knew their name to be whatever first and last name they had. And then they go in on Facebook and add their Hispanic middle name and second Hispanic last name and things like that. And they do that later in life because now it's, you could say celebrated, but also I feel like it's a clout thing. I feel like people get, you, you get more positive attention in a way that they Definitely. want some people to drill it and be like, by the way, I know you can't tell because I look like anybody on the street, but I want you to know I'm Hispanic because I want, I just want you to know that by the way. And, and I just, I do, I do agree with that take. I feel, um, a little jaded by it in some sense, but I also to, to just play the other side here. Mm -hmm. I mean, at some point I feel like maybe it's just a pride thing being able to come into, you know, your actual birth name. I mean, I hated my whole name growing up. I thought Anastasia was really um, pretentious and long. And, you know, I'd, I'd get so angry in grade school when people would call me Anastasia. But yeah. but I don't mind it now. You know, I mean, nobody, really? ca nobody calls me Anastasia. I still, like, make a face when they do. But... <laughs> But I don't have, you know, I'm not going to beat you up in the playground over it. Like, <laughs> But I wonder, no, it, like if it's if it's their birth name, like by all means, yeah, it, it's great to feel comfortable with it. But I wonder how many people are like, no, it's not technically my birth name, but I'm throwing it in there as to give, uh, just well, that's putting it too. on my Facebook page as my second last name now so people know. That's the impression I was getting from it, you know. And that's probably true to some extent. Um, I think it's all part and parcel of you know why we why we throw our pronouns why we throw our whatever yeah. like why we have to have all these identifiers that make us specific and i what you know, is it um no intersectional is that an interse inter intersectional people yeah. people want the intersectionality they right do. and yes. and to be viewed as as unique as possible or as you know, adjacent to a minority as possible if they're not blatantly a minority. So yeah, you certainly can't be just white anymore. <laughs> no. So even if it's authentic, it's still just kind of, it just kind of rubs me the wrong way sometimes because it's something that they, they grasped later when it was more trendy. And, but it's just interesting to, to the contrast, you know, of what Martin mm -hmm. Sheen chose to do and what people are choosing to do now, the exact opposite really. Uh, so it's no secret that I think that most modern music is a name that you might not be familiar with, Doja Cat. She's been top of the charts in the past few years as a pop, hip-hop kind of crossover. I know. She helped, like, oh, what was it? She helped solidify the slang, yeah. Oh, great. Wow, what a credit. I hate well, that. Well, she might hate it, too. So, oh. Well, here's, here's a tweet that she put out in the past week. Planet Her and Hot Pink... And as a side note here, those are the names of her last two albums. Planet Her and Hot Pink were cash grabs and y'all fell for it. Now I can go disappear somewhere and touch grass with my loved ones on an island while y'all weep for mediocre pop. What? Yeah. So out of nowhere, she drops this tweet. And listen, I am not, I don't care about Doja Cat, but I thought this was absolutely hilarious. Yeah. And her fans are losing their minds because they are offended for one. They're like, what are you talking about? You know, mediocre pop. And they're defending her music that she's come out and said was crap. She's like, this is not worth the time it takes to listen to it. Don't, you know, but you guys bought it and you made me really, really rich for it. So, you know, whoops on you. And then other people are coming to her defense, which I thought was absolutely hilarious and saying, 
no, like, don't feel insecure about what you released. You know, I can see how this would feel, you know, in a, in the world where, you know, everyone's just moving on to the next thing before you have time to process what just came out. You know, it can feel like nothing matters. And like what you produced was not great, but no, you, you contributed and these were great albums. That's hilarious. I think that's so funny. It's really embarrassing though on, you know, to American audiences, like that's really embarrassing. It is. I mean, but but why is she any different? Why is what she put out any different than the majority of the rest of the things that are top of the charts? You know, turn on the radio. You're going to hear like 17 songs that sound the exact same and they're going to be played on every single station. Yeah. You know, with the rap part cut out on one and the, you know, whatever. I just I thought it was funny. I thought it was really funny that she had the guts to just come out and say that. And people are like, don't quit music. And she's like. I mean, I hope she played them. I hope, I hope she, <laughs> I hope she takes a step back and is like, gets to live her life in a nice, cushy, you know, house and not have to worry about a thing because she made a lot of money pulling the blinds over people's eyes. <laughs> I guess, but I, it's, it's so embarrassing. I, I just hope that maybe people learn from that. That you learn know, taste, learn taste, or just learn to yeah, well, learn to be a little more analytical or discerning. thoughtful and discerning about what they're listening to. I don't know, but yeah. Well, I know we had teased some news about a pageant queen and getting in the news, but uh, the woman that we're talking about is Priyanka Chopra Jonas, and uh, she's been in the headlines lately. Here's here's the headline that I saw had something to do with wealthy um, entitled woman n- claims trauma from a uh, Simpsons character essentially. Mm, okay. So I dug into this because I'm like, what, what's going on here? Okay. What are we talking about? Here's what's actually going on. Priyanka was in this um, Vogue series that they did where basically they have a celebrity on and they have them scroll their Instagram feed and just click on, a couple of pictures, a few pictures and describe what was going on in their lives at that moment. Why this was a significant post for them, like, and not a significant post, but like a significant photo, why they were commemorating this moment. Yeah. So cute idea. So Priyanka sitting there and she scrolls through and one of the pictures on her timeline is this picture of her Simpsonized, you know, as like a Simpsons character in her wedding dress. And basically she she, posted that she posted it. Yeah. And she says, this is kind of ironic to see me um, as a Simpsons character, you know, because Apu was the bane of my life. And because he perpetuated this stereotype that all Indians speak with this really heavy accent and people would ask me, why don't you sound like that? And uh, she, she kind of blows it off. You know, she's not, she's not legitimately complaining about it. Just kind of, making a you know comment about like this is not what all indian people sound like it's been kind of blown out of proportion in my mind by conservative news outlets Got about, it. about her being you know whiny while she's so privileged and yeah i think it was just a comment about her being you know disenchanted with her the indian portrayal on the simpsons which, and i think that's valid which i mean is valid enough but to, yeah but on the other side of that um she has a very heavy accent. So I'm not really sure why why she's like, I don't, people were always like, why don't you sound like that? And I'm thinking, but you do speak with a very, <laughs> very pronounced Indian accent. Yeah. I actually saw a clip of her talking about when she gets in fights with her husband, Nick Jonas. Yeah. 
her Indian slips out more. She'll get more uh, difficult to understand. Yes. And he, he'll have to stop her and like face her towards the wall. And like when you're ready to talk, like, oh my you gosh. know, you calm down and we can talk because so I can't she understand teases you. about that. Like she openly. Yes. So then, I mean. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, hey, it's fair to like be upset by a stereotype. I get sure. that. That's fair. But at the same time, yeah, like you just said, she has an accent anyway. Like that's right. not even the incorrect part of the stereotype of that Simpsons character. It's not the no. accent is accurate. We, I mean, to some level, <laughs> to you some know. level, right. of course. Yeah. But yeah, I, I just thought it was funny. And I don't think that it was all that the headlines cracked it up to be. Well, when we get back, we will talk a little bit more about the pageant side of Priyanka, as well as some pageant history here in St. Louis that I found to be really interesting. So stick around. Magazine on air. SR1 Sundays. Don't let it get me. Talk it Don't let it get me. Magazine on air. Don't let it get me. Don't let it get me. Hey, and welcome back. We are going to talk a little bit more about Priyanka Chopra. We can't get enough of her. <laughs> and neither can the news. And neither can the news. No, really. On uh, one of the news outlets, I think it was today, they said Priyanka Chopra Jonas enters her best season yet. Talking about how she's, you know, a wife and a mother now and all that good stuff. Like, people just can't stop talking about her. Listen, I get it. And I'm happy for her. I think those are wonderful things. Yeah. But... I also just, I don't know. I just feel like, okay, yeah, that's great. She's an actress um, and a bunch of things that I feel like nobody actually cares about or watches. And I get that she was a pageant queen, but I don't know what she really does that, so, that's so noteworthy. Yeah, I I knew she was a pageant queen, but I didn't know m- much else about it until recently. You actually shared with me a clip from when she was on Miss World. Yes. So as a little background, we have the clip. We're going to play it. But as a little bit of background, um, she just here's here's where Priyanka came from. Here's why you hear about her now at all. She has parents that were military physicians in India and they because they were with the military, they moved around a lot. Um, So she moved all over when she was a kid. By the time she was 13, she moved to the U.S. to live with an aunt and continue her education for a while. And her aunt also also moved quite a bit. So she lived in Massachusetts and Iowa and New York. And um, then she kind of studied acting and uh, theater and singing. And then after her teenage years in the U.S., um, she ended up back in India for a while. And that was where she entered um, a local May Queen beauty pageant. And then basically, like, she was pursued by admirers so much people loved her so much from that that her family put bars on their home to keep her safe yeah from her fans and uh after that i guess her mom thought well what are a few more fans so they ended <laughs> her in another pageant femina miss india in 2000 she put she was in second place and then she competed in the miss india world title and then the miss world pageant and eventually she was crowned miss world 2000 um and this was a big deal, obviously. Yeah. So that's the, what 
that sounded like to me, and that's the impression I got, was that it happened kind of fast. It like did. All of a sudden, here's a here's a pageant, and then within the next year, keep going, keep going, and then win Miss World. It like like bang, yeah. bang, bang. Like it, it just it felt seems really like fast. It kind of did, and well, yeah. I mean, honestly, she won all of her pageants in the year 2000. Yeah, and she basically. was like 17 or 18. Or yeah, and uh, yeah, 18. And so. I heard it was like accidental, the Miss World competition, that her 10-year-old brother and her mom entered her into that without her knowing. That's funny. And uh, yeah, so after she won Miss World, then basically she started acting in performances in, in, in movies in India. And she did quite a few of those, some Bollywood films. And then... Um, basically landed a tv series in the u.s which okay yeah so all of that is what led her to being here and being you know famous in america as well as overseas and i mean look at her she's astoundingly beautiful like it's not a secret why she found such acclaim she's very well spoken she's very intelligent she's you know she's gorgeous she's I mean, very gorgeous she's beautiful now but in yes. this clip from when she was in the beauty pageant at 17 years old she, she is i mean she's stunning yeah she is so we're gonna play this clip and uh then we'll discuss a little more okay first of all you know last year we had miss india right yes we did we did it's good for our country isn't it it's very good for your country you have a lovely country so everybody looks like you in india well if you want them to Wow, okay. Um, do you feel like extra pressure when you came here this week, knowing that, you know, wow, Miss India won last year, you know, I'm going to be compared. Was there pressure? There's always been pressure, but I work best under pressure. And if there's no pressure, there won't be any expectation. And without expectation, there won't, I won't strive for enthusiasm. I could think of some smart answers, too. <laughs> Um, what, what do you want to happen after this? I mean, let's say, what do you want to get out of all this? I mean, obviously, you'd like to win. But if you won, is this the stepping stone to something else in life? Well, it's a stepping stone to anything I want to do because Miss World is a platform which I get a chance to influence people's thoughts, minds, and actions, which is the biggest power of them all. And... And to be able to do that would give me the power to help people understand what their rights are and what they can be, the best that they can be. Good for you. And if you, if you win this, you'll try to conquer another world next? If you recognize the interviewer's voice, that was actually Jerry Springer. Yeah. R.I.P. I know. I know. So I thought that was an interesting clip because clearly, even at 17, she's very poised, very collected. Not that this is unusual for... Uh, beauty queen for uh, someone that participates in pageants. Many of them are trained. It's the ex- to, expectation. It's, it is the expectation. Not that they all live up to it, but it is the expectation. But it just, I don't know. I i was impressed because she seemed so mature for her age. She and did. part of it's her voice, I think. But also, you listen to her. She's like, I just want to educate people about what their rights are. She says a lot of nothing is what she really says. Okay, but that is stereotypical. I feel like the pageant questions, they try to be very diplomatic. They try to sound caring and worldly, but they're not 
they're not giving bullet points of very clear, actionable things that no. they would do with their platform. But, you know, I was kind of thinking, so it's interesting, too, because she wins and she goes on to then just, well, be a movie star. She actually didn't yeah. go on. I mean, maybe she did projects on the so side. So they serve like a year of, you know, charitable things. And she does um, currently, I think, do work with UNICEF. But, but to me, it's just that, you know, and this is one of those things. She gets a lot of clout, I think, for being very charitable, being, you know, and I'm like, but what did she do? If you look at, I think her Wikipedia says that she, you know, um, like her, her big causes are women's rights is vocal about gender equality, the gender pay gap and feminism. Right. What does that mean? Exactly. What does that actually mean, though? Now, I will say, I mean, she's competing in that contest at, you know, 17, 18 years old. She... maybe doesn't know what she wants to do with any influence she has over anybody. And so she's just thinking, oh, it would be noble to help teach people about rights. It would be noble to promote feminism. You know, you might not at that age understand what that influence can do. But it's interesting because I think people like beauty pageants get a lot of bad rap. And I understand why. I, I don't know quite how I feel about them myself. Um, because I think there is a, it is fair to admire the fact that women have beauty and that we also enjoy wearing gowns and makeup and doing our hair. And some people like to really, you know, bask in the spectacle of it. Yeah. And I mean, if people willingly choose to do that and enjoy doing that, I I can see the appeal. I know when I was younger, that looked so glamorous and fun, you know, when Absolutely. I was a little girl, like that's like a dream. But what are they really accomplishing? And when are they yeah. as smart as these young women may be? Do they really get to even show that? And are they even appreciating that in themselves? Or I don't, I don't understand. I don't know. I, I feel very torn about it as well, because I agree. I think I know, I know they get a bad rap a lot of times for the physical aspect of it because, oh, the standards are so outrageously high and you're pitting all these absolutely gorgeous women against each other and we're supposed to pick a winner and, you know, but you're judging them when they all have, you know, physiques that we'd all kill for, you know, yeah. and it's like, okay, that's all fair, right? I get that and that, you know, there is some level of that that may be unhealthy for young girls to... Aspire to. to aspire to and to expect um, because the, you know, regiments that these women have to be on to maintain that are as well as are genetics not, too. That absolutely. But they're, they're not sustainable. They're not realistic for most people to keep all the time. But also, you know, I don't like I do think that there is some uh, value in in beauty and and promoting beauty as an ideal and I don't think that it's all bad to do that the issue I really have is when we act like these women have to also then be you know the arbiters of charity and goodwill and they have to they have to be this you know figurehead of some kind of movement well then what else are they winning would you would you rather them just win simply because they're beautiful I mean, to be honest, a little, because it just seems like we're putting some, I mean, what 17 year old realistically has any clue, what 20 year old has any clue of how to 
promote peace and educate people about their rights. What does that mean? What are you doing? At, I mean, at 17, well, I was applying to high schools. Like, or, or, I'm sorry, <laughs> applying to colleges. My word, Anna. Yeah, I was applying to colleges and thinking about that. And even then it was, uh, you know, a huge undertaking to think about what I wanted to do with the next four years. But they're guided through it. I mean, they have all these people helping them through that one year of charitable actions and whatever else they're doing. But this is a lifetime of training for a lot of them. This is a... This I think is, people you know, also take issue though. I mean, what are you going to say? You want it to just be about beauty? I mean, if you go back to the origins of pageants when it was literally, let's take all your measurements and let's see how proportional you are and let's display that in your undergarments. Like it was so much about your physique like yes. to a bizarre extent, you know? True, but, but I mean... There is some level of fascination in that. And and I think that we're all lying to ourselves if we don't admit that. I think if you're tuning into a beauty pageant saying, I want to hear all about what Miss Nebraska wants to do with her platform, you're lying. You're, well, you're not being truthful. Obviously, the spectacle of it, the beautiful women, that's what draws people in as far as entertainment value goes. Nobody, Nobody's t- tuning in just to hear people talk about their aspirations and what they'll do with influence and what they'll do for charities Mm -hmm. in st louis we actually host something every year called the veiled prophet parade and ball right the vp ball or whatever and i don't think that it's branded that way anymore i believe in the 90s or something they switched it and now it's called fair st louis and it's got more that it entails but it was originally started In 1878, the Veiled Prophet Organization, an all-male secret society, it was founded by prominent St. Louisans, and basically it's just this pageant, or was just this pageant for young women, and I think, so I was doing a little research, because I mean, not to be all, you know, like liberal sounding about it, (laughs) but it is it is let's watch these young ladies who, you know, are of age finally parade and show us how beautiful they are, founded by a society of men with money. Like it's sure. a little creepy. You it know, is. it is, but these are be, the origins of yes. these kinds of pageants. And yes. then people over decades and decades are like, Oh, that's not gonna work anymore. We're not about that. Let's make it about their charitable participation. Let's make it about scholarships, raising money for young women. Let's make it about doing acts of service in your community. So they they add all these things in, but I don't know, it's weird because as good as these things might be, it feels a little artificial because it feels like... It feels like a fake justification for what we're actually really there for, which is just to make a spectacle of the beauty portion. I mean, they all have to have a talent too, but who's really expecting them to be the most well-spoken, the most educated, the most beautiful, and the most wonderful singer, and the most talented cellist or whatever you know the the expectation is i mean admirable but it's not realistic and frankly i'm just saying no one cares like to be honest people don't actually care it's not american idol we're not tuning in to hear you sing we're not tuning in to hear your thoughts on the war in ukraine we're tuning in to watch you parade in a ball gown and that's most of it and to and to say wow go missouri however that might be what the audience is there for. The audience might just care about the beauty. 
But if the organization and if the women who win are actually going and doing good things and money is being raised for good things, hell if I know, I don't. But if that is happening, then is it a problem? We tune in. Things exist that are good. The women are going out there doing what they wanted with money and scholarships and things and charities. Is there anything wrong happening? I don't know. But at the same time, like I was saying, it feels artificial. Like the justification, let's add all these other elements just to justify showing beautiful women. But then also women are beautiful and we want to appreciate that aspect of of us. And what these women are then doing is saying, look how I can still showcase traditional beauty and I'm well-rounded and I'm all these other things and that can be an inspiration to young women it's like we can still admire traditional beauty and femininity with all these other elements that you can be as well if you're a young girl watching that so that's not terrible especially when femininity seems under attack right now you know no I agree I do agree with that but tell us your thoughts. You can message us anytime on our Instagram or on Facebook. And you can check us out on the Newstalk STL website where all the links to all our socials are there as well. Stick around for Last Call with Ken Kruger up next. This is SR1.